Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, and I'm very pleased to be rejoined today by Sean McNulty uh, over at The Ankler, author of the Wake Up Morning Newsletter. It's the uh, first email I read every morning. Everybody should. Uh, it's the best roundup of what is going on in the business. Uh, thank you for being on the show, Sean. Thanks for having me back, Sonny. Uh, so the reason I, I wanted to get you on today uh, was to talk about what I think is not only going to be the biggest uh, business story of this week, uh, full disclosure, we're taping a little bit early this week, uh, but also I, I think one of the big news stories of the year, which is the the merger of UFC and WWE into a kind of giant uh, combat sports like entertainment um, uh, that will be. Uh, I think I think the new the new company is valued at something like twenty one billion dollars or something like that. Uh, some enormous amount of money, but walk us through. Walk us through uh, what happened here. You spoke to WWE, uh, the WWE CEO, right, uh, about about this deal. Yeah, briefly up in the morning of. Uh, so the deal broke Sunday night uh, via CNBC, and then the official statement came out very early on Monday morning from uh, Endeavor, the parent company of UFC, and WWE announcing this deal. So I talked on the phone with uh, Nick Khan, who's CEO of uh, WWE. Um, you know, they're pushing a lot of synergy. The the flywheel is a big term that they use, you know. So Endeavor, you know, I don't know how wonky you want to get the Endeavor business, but Endeavor owns many businesses. One of them is the William Morris Agency. They own uh, a company called IMG and in a big events business with on location. They do big VIP ticket packages. They do kind of events around events with brands and kind of things to upsell live events uh, as well. And they have a, a sports technology uh, division as well, which is going to launch you won as part of their uh, their earnings report, and they have USC in a sports division. It also includes the Professional Bull Riders Association, European Basketball, and a few other small leagues, which are which are not part of this deal, but they have a, they do own some sports leagues. So they're essentially, um, you know, again combining forces with WWE, uh, if you will, contributing UFC to this new company, which gives them a fifty one percent stake ownership of this UFC WWE company. They're Ticker is TKO, which I thought was pretty pretty priceless. That one was pretty good. Um, and WWE shareholders still have a 49% stake. Obviously, Endeavor as a parent company runs or owns the company, but the WWE shareholders you know, uh, still keep a 49% stake in the company. So that's kind of the business, overall business metrics of it. Um, but they see clearly a lot of overlap in audiences, uh, potential to increase sponsorship money, uh, to increase ticket value to, and remember, you know, as a part of WME, though the agency division, they sell a lot of sports rights. So they did the big deals for the big 12, for the big 10. I believe they did the men's, uh, men's March Madness deal a few years back. So they're about maximizing value for, I mean, for all their clients, they represent major movie stars, things along those lines, but for sports leagues, and as sports becomes the new most valuable you know, product to have in this streaming uh, network TV world, they feel you know, that combination unlocks more value in WWE so they can get the most value for it, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's just really it's, it's really interesting to see uh, how focused everybody is on live entertainment, live sports um, for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, this is, you know, what what is. Uh, what is what is fascinating about this deal is that you know WWE has been looking for a buyer for a while. They uh, you know there was some talk about maybe Comcast 
uh, would would buy WWE, which makes some sense because the WWE hub is on Peacock, right? That that would make you know in an, a bunch of uh, it would make a lot of sense for Comcast. It would be it would be a great deal for Comcast, but it wouldn't necessarily be the best way to maxim- maximize revenue for WWE or for value for the shareholders there because the the future is selling these rights packages to the highest bidder on a rotating basis, right? Exactly right. And that's worldwide. So just to give you some scope at WWE, media rights is, I think it was about 75% of their revenue. So that's how much of the company is based on selling rights to Japan, to Australia, to, you know, Abu Dhabi, and of course, in the US as well. So, and, and UFC, about 71% of their revenue is based on media rights. So these companies, while we think of, oh, they must make so much money at the events, which they do, the, ma- the majority of money to maximize here is in selling the rights worldwide and, to your point, in perpetuity in various cycles. And these things, as we've all witnessed in any league for the past 30 years, have only gone up in value to this, to this point. Now that more streamers are competing, uh, the WWE announced you know, when they did their deal in the UK, you know, they had six bidders, you know, for the rights uh, for WWE. So they're not seeing any kind of lag in that. So, yeah, that's the real value there. These big media deals, um, which are and they're all about not about to be, but they're in the US. The WWE is on Fox, of course, on, on broadcast on Friday nights and on USA Network on cable. Uh, and those both of those deals are up in 2024 uh, to be renegotiated. They have the first what's called the right of first refusal which just started right now. So they have the, you know, the first bidder to make a deal and get it done early if they want. If the WWE is, or, and now WWE UFC is happy with the money, they can get that done. If they think they can get more money on the free market, then those rights go out to whoever wants them. So, uh, and then the UFC, which of course is on ESPN, those rights are up and ESPN plus probably even more. So those rights are up in 2025 and the Peacock deal you alluded to uh, with WWE for streaming in the US is up in 2026. So this deal, which is supposed to close by end of this year, which should solidify that as they go into these important rights to renegotiations. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about ESPN and UFC? Because I, I find this deal to be uh, really interesting for a bunch of reasons, one of which is I, I, you know, I used to know a guy at Disney who was like, you know, what actually makes us tons and tons of money the ufc like the just just the ufc it is an enormous cash cow for us we make we make tons uh of revenue off of that and and nobody ever talks about it because it's not it's not you know uh sexy like some of the other stuff but it is it's an enormous revenue driver right uh for the company at Disney, I mean, for, for ESPN Plus, certainly, yep. I mean, they're about at 25 million subscribers. Um, how many of those are bundle subscribers? Because, again, you can get that Disney bundle, mm-hmm. you know, where you get Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. So a big contingent is probably that. But, you know, Sonny, name me something else that's on ESPN Plus exclusively. Yeah, no, I had no idea. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, right. So they own the space. So, yeah, exactly. Not only is it a passionate and pretty sizable fan base. They're the big draw on ESPN Plus, you know, to sign up for, I think it's up to at least $10 or not $11 a month now. Pretty, you know, it's pretty pricey. It used to be down about $7 early, early back in 2022. So it's, it's not nothing to buy it on its own. Again, if you Disney bundle it, it gets the cost go down. So it holds a lot of sway at ESPN Plus right now without having any other major rights exclusively for ESPN Plus. We'll see if Bob Iger, you know, changes that or not in, in the next couple of years. But as of now, they're the only show in town really on ESPN plus. Yeah. Uh, so, so what does, um, 
So what is, what does this mean then going forward for WWE and UFC? I mean, are they going to be uh, packaged together as you, if you want one, you got to get the other one, or is it just going to be like we're going to sell rights here, we're going to sell rights here? It's it's all uh, we're just creating more competition to generate, frankly, more more revenue. Right. And this is the big question. You know, those that the the years I mentioned are a little bit staggered um, and there's streaming and there's you know, broadcast elements to it. But, you know, the more windows you create, Sonny, the more paychecks you can get in, where if you give somebody one big thing for, you know, broadcast and streaming, you get a big check. But the more you can split it up, chances are you make more money. So I think the big question that maybe is starting to arise is, ooh, is there going to be a big streaming service, you know, for combining the UFC and WWE into one? Um, but let me just give you a little snapshot about how much money they, these things are making in the U.S. alone. Um, so these, the existing rights deals, this is before the renewals, which will presumably be for more money, uh, for WWE and UFC, for all those deals that I just mentioned, is about $1.1 billion a year. So that's the number you need to hit in streaming service revenue to make up just for the Fox deal, the USA deal, the Peacock deal and the ESPN deal for those two networks. That's a lot of math. I mean, you remember WWE used to be head of their own streaming service mm-hmm. until they did the Peacock mm-hmm. deal. You know, it only got up to, you know, about roughly 1.5 million subscribers paying $10 a month, which is fine, but that's only $180 million a year. That's nowhere near, you know, the money that they get. They get over $750 million in US rights alone now the WWE through those deals I mentioned. So there's a lot of math to make up there. Plus, if you're doing your own streaming service, you have to do all the marketing. You know, the, you have to do all the tech support. You have to do the customer retention. All those are very expensive costs on top of the money you're leaving on the table just to have the rights. So, I think the arms dealer approach you mentioned, Sonny, is where I would say they'll probably go with in these new renewal deals because they'll be a very much in demand, and b being a rights dealer is nice. You don't have to deal with that customer acquisition thing, and you get the the flywheel of being in the Disney empire to be promoted across ESPN and Hulu and other things like that, where if you're doing it yourself, you got to buy all that stuff. You know, you are a lone, a lone wolf operator there. So there's something to be said there. Now, whether it stays on Peacock or do you look at Paramount plus who maybe is infamously, you know, playing, uh, uh, creating content for between the coasts, you know, with the Yellowstones and mm-hmm. 1923, is that a better demo fit for the WWE versus Peacock? And will they step up with a check and the WWE can pit them against each other and have a bidding yeah. war, which is what you want as a rights holder? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm going to hop back to sports in a sec here, but I do want I, 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 I love this. I love this arms dealer concept because it really it really crystallizes the, the two paths studios and sports leagues and everybody else can take here going forward, because, you know, you've got. A, a studio like Sony, Columbia Pictures, right, says, "Well, we we could we we tried to do the streaming thing with Crackle, didn't didn't quite work. Sorta, yeah, didn't, exactly. Didn't, yeah, you know, we tried to do the PlayStation Network, that doesn't that right. didn't entirely work. You know, and instead, we're just going to sell uh, first runs of our movies to Netflix for a billion dollars a year, and that's exactly. uh, that that's easier, and it and it it makes more financial sense. I I, I do wonder if we're going to see more more of that going forward." I think, you know, that's the great realization that's happening right now, Sonny, in Hollywood is, you know, the from about 2018, 19 until about 2022, the thing was, we're bringing it all in house, you know, NBC, you, you know, rebought the office for Peacock, even though it was making, I think it was, I don't know, 
400 million dollars a year from netflix whatever the deal was they said we're gonna you know when you keep that in house you lose that 400 million dollars you know friends at warner brothers for hbo max were taking that off netflix and that was a i think a half a billion dollar a year check or whatever it was you know major money because we want to focus on this focus on the streaming service and now everybody's kind of going back to was that such a bad thing to have this elsewhere and having those checks from a revenue everybody's back to revenue sony how much money and, and profit are you making and keeping this stuff in-house some, you know some of it is important but doesn't need to be exclusive can i also sell part of it to you you know the office also exists on comedy central still you can turn on any cable network in the you know in the country for the linear tv viewers and still watch the office it's not exclusive everywhere uh, so this back to becoming arms dealer, uh, you know, ethos is definitely coming back in vogue. Sports, one hundred percent. I think that that's what the, this WWE, UFC, you know, value they see there. But in in any TV rights, certainly we've seen HBO do this. They've been selling Westworld rights to to Pluto. Took it off HBO Max. You know, there's everybody's finding value. There are other paychecks where it's having zero value for them on HBO Max. Why don't we put this somewhere else where we can get a check? It may not be. <laughs> A billion dollars but it's like it's money you right. know, money is money well and it wasn't just zero value it was negative value i mean you had to pay I mean, right. you had to right. pay for the they were paying you know whatever whatever we're calling residuals now you know the the rights <laughs> right. the, the 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 rights to to the the creators to license it uh for for streaming and the actors and exactly exactly so there's yeah there's there's hidden costs that everybody thinks oh you can just put it on there forever and it's free i'm like this isn't youtube that is not how streaming these services work there are other rules that affect here that our, our, you know, what we call sunk costs, Sonny, where it's like, yeah, that's not, you have to, you're starting in the hole. You have to get viewers to get back to zero. And then on top of that is, you know, when you would get any, any gravy, so to speak. So this, and, and Bob Iger was also speaking this week, the, the CEO of Disney about this, about what's his philosophy going forward. And he, it seemed to imply, you know, the, the Marvel, Disney, Star Wars will stay, you know, on Disney plus, but everything else so presumably all the fox library he bought and the simpsons and things along those lines maybe there's leeway to sell all of that stuff you know to other third parties and not keep it all you know on the hulu property or whatever hulu's going to become or, or disney plus for that matter so there's just a re a rethinking of this so uh, of this sunny where it's like yeah did we uh we left a lot of money on the table here and doing this strategy and they're not seeing the results as especially in the u.s as streaming subscriber growth kind of has plateaued at, at certain levels for most people that maybe there's other checks to get here as we're, again, being asked by Wall Street, where's your profit? Well, mm. you're not going to get it by those subscriber numbers anymore. You're going to get it by selling stuff off to other people. So it's kind of a, everything old is new again yeah. in, uh, in Hollywood, Sunny, as always. Yeah, it's always funny how that works out. Uh, all right. Funny. So back back to sports here for a second. Uh, we got numbers last night on the uh, or yesterday for the uh, women's uh, basketball Again, we're taping this a little earlier in the week. Um, that that's a that's a big that's a big bump in viewers for uh, the women's NCAA tournament. I mean, is is uh, are we going to see more equitable, shall we say, uh, <laughs> distribution of capital when it comes to uh, the the women's tournament going forward? Do you think when that that deal comes up in twenty twenty? Five or six, right? I mean, it's, they still have a few more years. Next year's the last. Next year's the last year. Next year, okay. Twenty-four. Yeah. So the next tournament is the last one under, under that deal. Um, yeah, you know, define equitable. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even know. I read this this morning in the the Wall Street Journal coverage of it. The women's tournament rights deal as uh, the as fee is thirty-four million dollars. The men's tournament is about nine hundred million dollars. Yeah. 
I mean, let that. I mean, look, there are different well, economics behind right. this and what have you. I mean, but, it makes you know. sense. There's a certain at a certain point that did make sense because many more people watched the men's tournament. It was you know right. much. And to be clear, the men's tournament still, even the women's, the women tournament, the championship got uh, 10 million viewers. The men's first round averaged 9 million viewers yeah. across, you know. So, I mean, yeah. it, there is a scale thing here, but that women's championship was was 2x last year's number. They've been, you know, and this year, you know, Caitlin Clark's been a great story to follow. I don't know if you've been yeah, following sure, it all, sure. but, you know, and a lot of great narratives this year, Sonny, which every year you're, you're not going to get, but it's put it on the map. And, and guess what? Caitlin Clark is coming back next year. She's not going to the, to the draft. So, this is, you know, they're in a great back to that negotiating position, Sonny, about about sports leagues. That's not a bad position to be in coming off next year. What I mean, presumably, if Iowa does well again and they get back in there, the the, the audience will return, and there's room, you know, uh, to have both. I think, and they've just been quite frankly ignored for many years, and it's a you know, it's a different style of game, and it, but it's I, I loved it. I watched many games this year, and I watched many men's games as well. Um, it's how do you schedule it, perhaps, so it's offsetting and not competing against each other would be you know the first thing you want to look at. But you know uh, that rights fee seems very low. And back if you get back to an experienced hand like a William Morris Endeavor or an agency who knows how to sell this stuff, and you get more sponsors involved, and again follow the money, Sonny, as you say, the men's tournament does bring in they're bringing in over one point one billion dollars in advertising mm-hmm. revenue this year, so that makes it worthwhile. You're not getting that money in the women's tournament, but is there room for growth? Yeah, yeah, I mean, seemingly there's got there's got to be here, so it, it could be a really good story to watch next year. Yeah, it's it is fascinating again, just from a, a business angle. Um, the uh, one more sports question. I didn't I didn't mention this in the pre-show, so if you don't uh, if you don't have thoughts, no, we'll we'll just we'll cut it out. But <laughs> yeah. the uh, but one of the one of the big stories uh, here over the last few weeks and months uh, has been the uh, the kind of slow motion and then very uh, looks like it's speeding up motion uh, collapse of the regional sports nets. Oh, yeah. um, which is, you know, again, we're talking we're talking about live sports, hugely valuable. Um, uh, I think there was news uh, news last week that the New York Yankees uh, are are headed toward headed off of basic cable. They're going to be, you know, doing doing the streaming thing. What what is going on there in that in that space? It's collapsing. I mean, you know, so this is a decades long business. So we're, we're talking regional sports networks just for everybody. And, you know, so that's in New York. The Yankees are on the Yes Network. SNY, the Bally Sports Networks are very big in other parts of the country. It's very, you know, very local to where you are. NBC uh, Universal owns, uh, I think, three or four of them at this point. Chicago and Philly, uh, namely, have them. So they're around the country and each owned by kind of different operators. Um, but they're built on the cable bundle. The cable bundle, you know, has been lo- lost 5%, 6%, up to 7% of the base, that, you know, in 2022. It's only increasing. It's melting. And the beauty of it was that everybody was paying, even though, you know, very, 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 very few people were actually watching. Mm-hmm. But as that starts to melt, that's less revenues being paid to each sports team for those rights. And at a certain point, they're losing these cable operators are losing money on, on the proposition and they're saying, we're done. So here you go. And the regional sports networks are now being caught in the middle, being like, well, I'm going to go direct to streaming, but I got to charge the customer at least $20, if not the S network, I believe is $30 a month. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Nesson and the New, York, New England Sports Network in, in Boston has been doing this for almost two years now at $30 a year. I've heard very little of any data out of that other than a lot of unhappy people about the tech that's behind it. Uh, so it's, a you know, this, the, the U.S. sports consumer is understanding how much sports really costs when you see these multi-million dollar contracts being paid. Oh, isn't that great? You've never felt the pinch before. Now you're going to be like, oh, you, yeah, we're, we're asking you to cough up the money now because the bundle is not 
subsidizing the cost of this anymore. And the teams counted on this revenue, the local teams, to guarantee check. Again, back to those rights, Sonny. They didn't have to market the product. They didn't have to sell the product. They just, yep, here you go. And it was on the Comcast, the charters, or whatever it is to really do the nuts and bolts of the deal. They're saying goodbye. Uh, Comcast famously dumped MSG Network, which covers the Rangers uh, and other sports teams here in New York a couple of years ago. So we're not paying anymore. You can't get the MSG Network in New Jersey, in the New York City area for a couple of years now. MSG is now also going direct to consumer for, I think, $25 or $30 a month. Mm-hmm. So, But they have to make that money back. Yeah. And are you going to make that same check from those subscribers, they don't know. This is what we're going to find out, Sonny. So it's a real precipice moment of the, the local teams. And we've always seen those team valuations, Sonny, right? Where you hear someone's team's selling for $3 billion. And that's predicated mostly on, again, sports rights. Yeah. Yeah. And if that starts to dip in this area, that's a real, we don't, this is a big shift, Sonny. We don't have the answer to it, but it looks wobbly. And that's a big change that has not happened in about, I'd say 30 years of, of sports uh, sports model. Well, I mean, it's it, it's it's interesting, too, to look at the difference between Major League Baseball uh, mm, or to, right. to a lesser extent, NBA, um, uh, also NHL, right, compared to the NFL, right? The NFL has a national deal. They sell right. all their games. All the games are on, you know, Sundays and Mondays and then I guess Thursdays and sometimes Saturday. But, you know, Sundays, <laughs> Sundays and Mondays, right? That's like the big those are the big days. Uh, and all of those games get sold under the same package and they all the, the owners all make out huge huge like bandits because they but i you know i'm an orioles fan i'm a baltimore orioles fan so i when i uh when i lived in the dc area i would watch on masson the mid-atlantic sports net um and i would and it was just part of my cable package and that was great but uh the 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 orioles sports rights are not worth 200 million dollars a year i can't imagine for Uh, for some network you know i like who uh, who is who uh, a to your point, I, I I don't see, and as you said, we don't have the answer to this. But I just don't I don't understand how they how the the smaller market teams make up that money um, uh, without some sort of uh, huge bailout from like Apple TV Plus picking up all the rights to baseball all over the country or something like that. I mean, is yeah, that do, a, do you think that's in the offing? I like is that is that a thing that could happen, or is it just still so atomized and localized that like the Yankees, for instance, would never sign off on like we're not going to be on we're not going to be on Apple TV Plus, and we can sell our rights to our market for twenty five bucks a month or a year or whatever it is. Yeah, the divisional, the, 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 the it's not all one thing fits all, right? And all MLB teams are not the same, and the money you can make in New York is not the money you're going to make in Milwaukee or even you know Baltimore for that matter, as you say. So. That's a big issue, and you know, there are, is, it, is it a league or is it a team of you know a league of twenty eight different, thirty different you know individual businesses? So MLB is so right. Baseball is the most I'm not going to say in trouble, but they're they're the season that's starting right now. The NBA has been paid out already this year. They don't have a worry. They're a part of this, Sonny, but mm-hmm. that won't come up again until the fall, which is going to be a long time in this uh, a long you know six months is going to be two years in, the, in this process, you know. Uh, so the MLB is a league is, you know, there's still negotiations. The company still, uh, Bally sports is still going through its bankruptcy process, but talking about doing that, Sonny, maybe there's an MLB TV streaming bundle where you can pay one fee and you, you know, it's split between all the teams and things like that. But to your point as an Orioles fan, do you care about watching Rangers games and paying for them? I'm not gonna. I'm no. not gonna do that. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, if I exactly. I mean, if I really cared, I guess I could get MLB TV. But I, but I, I frankly don't. But that's care. out of market too. Yeah. So that's that doesn't cover. So they want to make that more expansive in market. You know, watch your local. You can watch out of market teams with that. But 
clearly it's not the most valuable thing to have. It's like you want to watch the team in your area. Yeah. So you as a consumer may have this other super streaming option for a certain price. Or Sonny, do you want to pay twenty five bucks to watch the Orioles a month every year? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't do. know. Okay, well, we're going to find out from a lot of sports fans. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's just really interesting to think about. I mean, you know, uh, the 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 biggest streaming sports deal that we've seen so far, uh, of course, is Amazon picking up the rights to Thursday Night Football. Um, and that's kind of a mixed bag, right? I mean, they, you you were tracking the the ratings on that all season long and it was they it did OK, but not not it didn't hit the the benchmarks that they had set for advertisers, right? Yeah, it underdelivered. They, you know, they were promising. I think I'm gonna say twelve point five million. If I'm a little off on that, fine. But that's right. It yeah. va- vastly underdelivered. I mean, I'm, you're talking maybe ten. Uh, you know, something if that even. I don't know what the final average was, but nowhere near what they promised. So, uh, you know, and they're talking about instilling what they call flex games now, where they, you know, so usually you get the schedule and that's it. You know, and Thursday, as you mentioned, is not the high priority for for teams every week. It's traditionally been the lowest rated game of the week, even when it was on Fox and on NFL Network, the previous deal, the TV deal. Um, will changing the games, you know, and it is, you are based on the game. So they would see little spikes if there was more interest in the game. And if it's a dud, they had two Denver games this year, which were two of the worst games of the year. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're at the mercy of the luck there a little bit, but uh, it's a lot of money and Amazon's NFL's not giving them money back. You know, that's yeah. not how this works. Uh, can they put flex rules in, which they're going to vote on, uh, next month or sorry. Yeah. And in, in May, the owners will vote on that if they can institute. To, so the second half of the year, like they do on, on Sunday night football, they can change the lineup and swap games out, but it's still not the high priority. Sunday night is still a priority. Sunday afternoon is still, you're talking 30 million, you know, 25 to 30 million people tuning in for local games. You know, Amazon, as we said, is getting 10 million. Um, it's a hard argument to make in, in that regard. So uh, yeah. maybe they'll get better at it and people more, you know, it's the first year. Let's see how it goes. They also have a, a the Black Friday game the day after Thanksgiving this year, which could be a nice, you know, late year uh, boost for them as well, which will be free on Amazon for, or for, it'll be free for everybody on Amazon Prime. So they're making that free to the public. So there's other things to come. Um, the the tech was great. Al Michaels uh, was fantastic. So and the production I thought was really good, but the audience was under underwhelming yeah. for what they you know what they were expecting. Yeah, I mean it, it's uh, it's not the only uh, underwhelming performance in uh, in in the world of Amazon right now. There was a big story in the the Hollywood Reporter uh, yeah. earlier in the week uh, hitting hitting the uh, highlighting the completion rates on Lord of the Rings and you know kind of the the chaos over there. What is going on? At Amazon, what is what is the what is the buzz about town about what is happening uh, within within the um, the 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 studios there? Because it's it's more it's multiple studios, right? Yeah, right. They bought one, right? <laughs> MGM, you yeah. know, for eight point five billion, which everybody pretty much knows is vastly overpaying for what that was worth. But uh, you know, welcome to the to the tech money. Um, yeah, the piece wasn't, you know, it was, uh, I guess the, I, I put a big shrug emoji kind of going on. Nobody knows what is the metric, you know, Amazon doesn't release any numbers uh, for Amazon Prime Video in terms of, you know, there's the famous, you know, 200 million Amazon Prime subscribers. That's, you know, for the shipping. And it's like, that's all, you know, that's globally and that, that's useless uh, information, basically. So how much money are they making? What's a profit and loss? What's the whole point of this? It's not even number one job. The one number one job for Amazon Prime is selling you shipping. That's how they make the money. 
They want to get you in the door to being an Amazon customer. That was the theory, Sonny, behind this whole thing. It wasn't like, oh, let's start a streaming service. It was, oh, let's add value to this thing so we can get more people in the tents and more people coming back into the Amazon universe to watch shows and movies and so forth. Football was next. You know, they're big on sports, Sonny. They have a, that's, they're the biggest, they're the streamer with the biggest sports ambitions globally. Um, so, you know, this piece came out about more about the studios, which they have MGM Studios and Amazon Studios. They own two different movie studios. They own two different, you know, TV departments. Uh, and they all kind of compete against, you know, uh, the, the, TV, <laughs> the, the TV groups can, can counter bid for projects, you know, against each other. If you're going walking in the door there as a seller, if you have a, a show to pitch, it's like, well, who am I speaking to? There seem to be, you know, the takeaway in the piece was a lot of confusion still about what they even want, what the brand is. Um, which is never a great thing. Not that yeah. you know, there may be everything to all people, but if the the town, if the if the sellers are not real clear on that, and Amazon Prime Video has been around, this is not a new product right. um, for years. That's not a great rep to have. And that was the you know, I think the gist of the piece. What did you? I was curious what your you know your takeaways were, what your impressions were about the piece, though. Well, no, it's 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 just fascinating to think about Amazon Amazon's uncertainty uh, with its own video brand because uh, you know a, a friend uh, who is a screenwriter, uh, Zach Stentz, noted on Twitter that like Amazon has a brand. You know what Amazon's brand is? It's Dad Shows. It's Jack Ryan <laughs> right. and it's Terminal List and Reacher. You know, uh, Reacher yeah. or even like the boys, to, I think, to a certain yeah. extent. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I think that all that all kind of fits into like, uh, you know, again, dad shows is a good a good rubric there. If they could if they could acquire Yellowstone, they'd have they'd have cornered the market on on dad right. shows. Um, but the but like th- that is not that's not that is not like awards stuff. That's not, you know, kind of sexy. They don't they don't want to be like. Yeah, we're the guys with guns who go in and shoot stuff up. Like they, they want it. They want it. They want something slightly different. My other takeaway from it was just like I, I could not believe the amount of money that they were like lighting on fire on these overall deals. Like people who, mm, they oh, had, right. yeah, people who they had, who they had uh, signed and who they were paying, you know, low eight figures to over two or three years and just produce nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, I was actually shocked because I, you know, there's one thing I know about Jeff Bezos, it's that he doesn't mind spending money, but he hates wasting money. Does not, does not like wasting money. And there's, there's a difference there. Third takeaway, one last takeaway was that like the best, yeah. the best, the best value in that whole, that whole story for Amazon seems to be Donald Glover, who is like, who makes, who makes a buzzy show, The Swarm. It's not that expensive. I think it was like 30 million bucks, something like that, um, is doing numbers similar to, uh, to their, their actual big, the Reese Witherspoon thing. Um, yeah, I, I can't even, I don't even know the name of that show. Cause I, I like the dad shows. I don't, I'm not, you know, <laughs> um, but like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that expensive. And he like Donald Glover continues to be the most under underrated and underappreciated talent really in, in town. I say this because I just finished binging Atlanta. I, I just got, I just got through it. So. Gotcha. Um, I'm, yeah, and he has a, he's doing uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith coming up as well at, at Amazon. So he, right. yeah, he is actually producing for Amazon. Right. Like he is putting things up, but yeah, you know, these first look, deals but that we call them talent deals you know some infamous they've existed in hollywood for years with studios sometimes it's a vanity deal because you want them to act in your movies some produce some actors really take it seriously and they also have a michael b jordan has set up a lot of projects mm-hmm. there yeah. Donald Glover. so some people really are doing stuff there but 
Nicole Kidman has an overall deal there and she has projects, you know, around town. You know, yeah. she is not doing only Amazon things. And it's like, what are you paying for exactly? <laughs> the question, no, I mean, the question is like, you know, you get, she has a couple of things, but her next five projects, I think one of them is at, you know, is at Amazon. Yeah. So it's like, well, uh, it's a lot of money to pay for what am I, and you're still paying her to be in the movie. That that money they that check you're talking that that ten million dollar check is not in, you know inclusive of their acting fee. That's an overhead deal. Uh, so it's a right. lot of money from right. what yeah. And what are you getting? And and again, they don't release numbers. So even that swarm number, uh, sure, I don't you know, no idea what it's doing. But yeah. but the mail skew thing, just to touch back on sports, Sunny, and tie in football to that too, as to why Prime is going after sports. And it's like yeah, they see an opportunity to kind of you know skew into a a, a dad show or a male demo as. You know, Netflix is a lot of shows for a lot of people, but a lot of if you look at their top ten of their TV series, it's a lot of reality shows, dating shows that are in there. Perfect Match has been on there for a few weeks now. You, you know, even Wednesday arguably maybe skews a little more female, but uh, you know they have the uh, the Sarah Chalk show, mm-hmm. the Firefly yeah. Lane, and you know Outer Banks. These are the, what are their big shows? They yeah. kind of, I mean, most of them skew to a female demo. So Amazon sees an opportunity, rightfully so, sees an opportunity. And maybe own that male demo a little bit more, and that putting sports in that mix for them plays a much bigger role. So I, I see why they're doing it, but as to what the is it working? All this other stuff that's going on, it's uh, the black box is never a good sign in my book, and uh, they yeah. certainly have one. And Apple has the same problem of the yeah. same thing of like, what are you doing here exactly? So you know. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is I mean, this is what Richard always says. What what is what is <laughs> Apple? Why is What's, Apple? <laughs> What is <laughs> what's the business model here? Yeah, exactly. Um, Brand Halo, which is always great. Yeah. Uh, one one last sports thing, and then I'll I'll let you go here. Uh, I I feel like nobody in America understands uh, the importance uh, for global user acquisition numbers um, that uh, cricket plays. In what? How, how big is the audience for cricket in in India? And and elsewhere, yeah. So I just wrote about this uh, yeah. today in, in the Wake Up newsletter. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, the world's largest sporting sporting match, sorry NFL, is taking place right now. Uh, although halfway around the world in the U.S. in India, called the IPL, the uh, IPL Cricket League, uh, 140 million people uh, were the numbers on linear TV alone in India tuned into the opening day or opening match on uh, Friday, which was March 31st. Uh, the Super Bowl, uh, the Nielsen number was 113 million for the Super Bowl. Um, some numbers put up to 130 with additional viewing, but you know, still below that number. And you throw in mobile viewing, which was about 60 million. You're talking 200 million people on one day. It essentially one country that that other broadcast other countries in the Southeast Asia, you know, watching a sporting event. So cricket is the biggest sport in the world. You know, it's said a lot, but th- that's what that's exactly what people mean when they say that. So what does it mean for you know? So the I read a lot, a lot about this study, but the rights deals were a big thing last year. Their rights deals, again, back to back to rights, mm-hmm. were up last year before this season started, and the price essentially doubled. So uh, the, the, between um, uh, linear TV and, and and streaming, previously Disney had both mm-hmm. on their Hotstar service, which is their streaming service, and the Star service, which is their their TV service. There, the rights this year were split for about six hundred million dollars for each, so about one point two billion dollars a season. Which is you know not NFL money, but certainly a, a, a big check and much bigger than a lot of other sports leagues in the U.S. So, uh, and the streaming service that got it 
usually it's you know behind a paywall and you pay for it, put it on for free because they're a, new, a newer service and they're using it as a loss leader. So they had 50 million people sign up or download the app this weekend alone uh, to watch these games. So they added 50 million new customers to their to their platform. So huge numbers, Sonny. When you look at you know even back to the college you know sports and the women's championship at 10 million, which is great and that's a record and fantastic. On a on a global scale about sports, I don't nothing about cricket, Sonny. So I want to mm. make sure that that's on the record yeah. uh, about the sport itself and how it's played and who the teams are. Uh, the Super Kings are very popular. That's really all I know. Um, they played on Friday, cricket. so they were the, the cricket. It's, yeah, it's, and the it's IP, a thing. Yeah, and the IPL was a it's only a two month tournament, Sonny. So it's done in May. Yeah, and it's it's like it's almost like a super March Madness if you want to. You know, we're, we're March Madness is three weeks. This is two months. And infinitely more popular, but it plays a key role in these burgeoning streaming services. And uh, you know, India is getting a lot of investment from the Netflixes, the Amazons, and Disney is a you know a legacy scale there with their star business, which they bought from they got in the Fox deal back in 2018, which is what all this stuff is based on. There, Sony is also uh, pending a merger there with a major player called Z, which is going to go through soon. So that's going to be another third player. Uh, and then a company called Viacom 18, which is a, a kind of a local conglomerate called Geo, which is their big mobile phone provider. He owns everything. Reliant Industries. He's like the Amazon of India. I think he's the second richest person in the world, something like that. He's vastly fam- vastly rich. But anyway, he's the big player in the streaming service, giving away all this, all this yeah. $600 million a year to build a streaming service. So it's a lot going on, a lot of activity, Sonny. Um, Again, the revenues aren't quite as large, but the popularity is there. Yeah, I was, well, I was going to say that it is. It's it's interesting because you know Disney Disney had uh, a, a fairly large drop, if I remember correctly, had a fairly large drop in the number of users, but didn't take as big a hit in revenue as people thought because the average revenue per user uh, in in India is is much lower than in North America and, and the rest of the world. Yeah, that's the secret to the Disney Plus number that everybody loves to tout in the headlines of, I think it was about 162 million, whatever it was last yeah. time, Disney Plus. One third of that is in India. And how much they make per subscriber? About 70 cents. Yeah. So the revenue there, I think I, I did the math recently in the wake up, but it was, you know, it was maybe a, $115 million in the first quarter total revenue, subscriber revenue. They've spent $600 million on cricket in the, in the, in this, for, this, for this season alone. That's not good math. Yeah. Uh, there's other parts of the business and so on and so forth. Um, but what's going to happen? Because they, they lost the streaming rights, uh, as I said, for this cricket league, when the, which just started essentially at the start of the second quarter. So the question we're going to find out in early May is how many people canceled Disney Plus uh, Hotstar, which is the name of their streaming service there. And that total back to that 162 or whatever it is, you know, Dis- 162 million Disney Plus number is probably going to go down, you know, for the first time. And that's just, you know, again, it's not, when you look at the money, you're right, exactly right. And that's the, the narrative that Bob Iger is going to have to now try and, you know, present to people because yeah. they were just riding that hot star number to the moon and nobody was asking questions about, you know, how much money they were making. And now they're trying to change like, no, 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 wait, yeah. well, that's not important anymore. The thing we were telling you for over two and a half years. Yeah, no, 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 that's not the big deal anymore. Now it's about the money. And yeah. oh yeah, of course. So that's a, it's a debt. Bob Iger's an excellent communicator, Sonny. I never underestimate him, but that's a. I want to see how he kind of presents that well, to I mean, Wall Street. I, I think that's true. I think it's. I think it's actually true. I. I think he's. A, you know, the the uh, the the issue has been that you know we've we've all been kind of t- 
touting these eye popping numbers <laughs> right. and and very few people have actually said like wait a second what where yeah. you know how much That's, yeah i've been saying it for two years for a yeah. good year and a half in the this wake is, up i'm like well, this makes no money stop yeah. looking at this and, and, this, nobody, and, and this is why i uh, you know i'm well informed because i'm a reader <laughs> of sean mcnulty at the ankler uh very it's always it's always uh, i always like to ask as you know uh, if there's anything i should have asked if there's anything you think folks should know about uh, uh, in terms of what's going on in the world, sports rides, well, anything else? You've talked about the strike. We'll leave that. Who knows where that's going? But uh, you know, the upfronts are coming up, Sunny. So advertising revenue. Um, the upfronts are where the broadcast networks, and now this year, YouTube and Netflix are doing the upfronts, which is about the third week of May. Sell the bulk of their advertising rev- uh, inventory for the year. Um, so they present their <laughs> present their fall lineups for broadcast TV, and you know, it's a dog and pony show. Mm-hmm. And if you've been reading anything in this you know, sector, the advertising business has been very challenged and it's been down mm-hmm. and no one knows when it's going to rebound. And it's not there's a lot of eyeballs on how much money is going to be coming into this and what the ad rates are going to be um, watching a lot of these, you know, the inflation metrics, the unemployment, all the, all the larger economic signs that everybody's trying to read the tea leaves on here. That's still for me. I, I still couldn't really even tell you in a, 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 noted, a noted analyst. Moffat Nathanson put out a note saying, you know, there's a belief in the among the studios that there was that this will rebound in the second half of 2023. Um, this business will come back. His note was, I'm not seeing a lot of things that point to a lot of confidence in that. And the upfronts, when they happen, will be your canary in the coal mine of that. So that is, you know, it's about a when recording, you know, it's that on early April. So it's about maybe five, six weeks away when we, we start this, this all begins. So that's the next thing. I'll be keeping an eye on certainly uh, coming up that will be a big narrative in about a month. So that's a, uh, yeah, out there in the ether. Yep. Uh, all right. Thank you uh, again for being on the show, Sean. Uh, again, I'm, uh, you know, I, I have to say that just personally, I am also very excited to be on the same kind of, you know, masthead real estate uh, as, as yes. the wake up and everybody else over at the ankler. Um, uh, so this is a nice little, nice little bit of synergy here. <laughs> for uh, for uh, for for me, all we, anyway. now, all we need now is a flywheel, Sunday. Yeah. We'll, we'll be all set. That's yeah, it. we yeah we do, we gotta we gotta have a live event. You know, can we do right. live? Uh, you know, uh, or you know, uh, you know, Taylor Swift just sold out the AT and T Stadium here three nights in a row. I think we could probably, if we get Richard to fly out to Dallas, we could get at least one night. Of yeah, 80,000 people. Uh, yeah, me singing is probably not going to add any <laughs> subscribers, Sonny. I hate to tell you, but uh, we'll work something out. Well, we'll do a big ARPU presentation. It'll be a lot of fun. Right. Average revenue. There all we right. go. All right. Uh, all right. Thanks for being on the show, Sean. Uh, my name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark, uh, and I am uh, very excited to have everybody here listening. Uh, hope to see you next week. Mm-hmm.